I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. to minute 45 of season six of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again to finish off this week is Todd Levenow from the Forgotten Filmcast. Welcome back to the show, Todd. Thank you, Rob. Ready to do this one more time here. One more time. That's right. So, minute 45 begins with George kicking the door McLean style and ends with Mary making him sit down. So, yesterday we ended the minute with uh, George having a little trouble getting into the, to the opening the fence. You know, I guess, I guess the uh, hatches forgot to, uh, you know, oil the fence properly or something like that. It's, it's a highly secure facility there, the hatch residence. So, you know. That's why he had difficulty. That's true. So they want to keep everyone safe, you know, which is, which is again, why Mary has to tell her mother where she's going to be at all times. You know, <laughs> I will be downstairs. <laughs> Don't come looking for me upstairs. You won't find me. I'm downstairs. It, it's, it's very possible. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, very secure, very secure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Mary is standing there waiting for George to, to 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 somehow figure out how to open it, and he doesn't manage. So he just gives it a kick. And you, you'd think normally that if someone gives it a kick, that they're going to, you know, break something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As opposed to just open it. You know, if I think I've told this story in the past, but I will tell it again. The one time in my life when I got drunk was in nineteen. 97 it was the summer of 1997 and i got back to my apartment and i really really had to go to the bathroom and somehow the lock on the on the the bathroom door got stuck and i couldn't open the bathroom door so being in my drunken state and again i i still remember this vividly which to me is crazy because you know, they always say that when people are drunk, they don't remember what they do and stuff like that. But this, again, uh, I, I'm not a drinker, and this was the one time in my life that this happened. You know, I was 23 at the time. I, I never got drunk before that, and I've never gotten drunk after that. But so I said to myself, okay, so I'll just do the logical thing. I'll kick the door, you know, like they do in movies, you know, <laughs> and then I'll be able to get into the bathroom. And I kicked once. And I kicked twice and I, kicked, I must have kicked like 10 times and it felt each time that I was doing it in slow motion, you know, um, because again, I was drunk uh, and the door just wouldn't budge. And then I finally gave it a major uh, kick and then I heard a big crack and I basically <laughs> broke part of the door. 
by doing that. Now, I was renting in a, this apartment at the time. <laughs> I, there for goes the, next, the security deposit. The, for sure. For, then for the next few months, I, I had uh, um, I put like a latch in, you know, uh, on the door itself so that anyone who's using the bathroom can sort of close the door, even though it wouldn't close completely because part of it was broken. <laughs> Basically, I broke it around the lock area. And then uh, so when I was getting ready to leave the apartment, so someone told me that what I should do is get in touch with, uh, you know, with with a um, – oh, I can't even think of what it's called right now. The person who works with wood, a carpenter. There you go. Uh, uh, get in touch with the carpenter. And I, I found a carpenter, and he said he's able to rebuild the wood area of that and then, you know, replace the lock and stuff like that. It, it, it cost me a lot. You know, but uh, I, I learned my lesson on that one, but I still remember it. So so kicking in doors and kicking in fences is not necessarily something that uh, that that I would recommend to people to do. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I know if you tried doing that on my fence, it'd break <laughs> because <laughs> my fence is a little old. Uh, but yeah, no, that, I mean, I've always been uh, kind of curious about that that element that you see in films all the time where, I mean, it's like, Oh, the door's locked. Well, let's kick it. Bam. And the cop kicks it and it opens up. And I'm like, really, does that work? I don't think that would work. But, but, exactly. but uh, again, that's, that's the idea here. You know, I, I was wondering the same thing, you know, and I wondered that in real life at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately for, for, for that door, <laughs> and your wallet yes yes that's true but uh you know but i i like i said i learned my lesson i've i've never gotten drunk ever since not because not necessarily because of that i also have no desire to ever get drunk even then it was i got drunk that day because of uh, peer pressure you know my girlfriend at the time and uh and a whole group of people were drinking and i was like oh okay if they could drink i could drink you know that type of thing mm-hmm. and guess what i couldn't <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I have only ever actually drink, uh, drank alcohol just a handful of times. I've never felt motivated. The few times I've had it, I'm like, I, I don't like it. I don't like no, the me taste. neither. No, I don't like I it mean, I, it was my, my parents never drank. It was never something that was in our, our house. So there was never any kind of desire to do that. Um, but I mean, if there had been some, you know, that was squashed. I think a lot of times what it takes is one experience. That's why if you said that that experience of yours caused you to never drink again, I, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I think that would be totally valid because I know a lot of times it's like one experience will, will make you go, I'm never going to be that person. And that's totally what it was for me. Uh, when I was in college, I remember one night I woke up in the middle of the night, I had to go to the bathroom. I go down the hall in the dorm to the bathroom. And there is, I open the door and I am looking at what my brain thought initially was a corpse. There is a guy lying on his back on the floor in the middle of the bathroom, pale as a ghost in a pool of his own yuck. And, and I was like, this guy is dead. This, there's a dead person here in front of me. And you've definitely uh, seen you know, way course, too many movies. He was just, I mean, he was, he was just drunk, you know, and, and unconscious there, but you know, you see something like that and you go, 
I am going to do whatever it takes to never be the guy that is lying on the bathroom floor like that. That's right. You know, so. I completely agree with you on that one. Makes a lot of sense. All right. So after George kicks in this uh, fence, he he's still denying the fact that he told his mother that he was coming here because he says, I didn't tell anybody I was coming over here, you know, <laughs> and then he says, sir, when did you get back? Well, he kind he kind of he kind of didn't. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, his mother kind of told him to do it. You know, so, that's right. I mean, he kind of said, "All right, I will," but he was pretty noncommittal about it. That's right. So who knows? Who knows? Um, but I mean, again, he's he's still denying it. I mean, he also said, "I never told my mother that I was coming here." Which is also very strange for a 25-year-old to be saying that, but whatever, that, that's a separate issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he definitely is in complete denial that that this was the plan. No, I wasn't planning on coming here. No, not at all. Why, why would why would I even think of telling anybody that I was going to come here? I wasn't coming here. I was going to go, you know, um, me and my good friend uh, Violet were going to go, uh, you know, skinny dipping up in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't come Mount here. Bedford. Scandalous. Very. So I don't know. It's very, very scandalous. Very scandalous. He made, he made it through that. <laughs> and then he changes the subject. He goes, when, when did you get back? And she goes, Tuesday. You know, so like, you, maybe you said this is a Friday. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that adds up. Friday or Saturday, probably. You know, that's when parties are happening. That's, that's right. when Violet's out roaming the streets. That's <laughs> <You right. know? laughs> And then, then he gets uh, he he continues to try and change the the subject and goes uh where where would you get that dress? Do you like it? You know, and you can see in her mind she's like, oh wow, this guy's really noticing me. He's noticing my dress. <laughs> well, again, she's she's clearly planned a bunch of things out from the music to the dress, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's right. You know, he's acknowledging the the dress, so that's good. That's what you're supposed to do, guys. You know, when that's right. when you're you know, courting a young lady, you got to tell her she looks nice and stuff. That's right. But uh, apparently that he didn't learn much more beyond that, you know, because at this point he then basically, uh, you know, sister, I, well, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for some people that's, that's a lot. I mean, you know, again, I talk from experience here that it's, uh, you know, it's not easy to talk to a, a girl, you know, I can remember being that fumbling idiot, you know, you're lucky to get two words out, let That's alone, right. you know, praise how beautiful her dress is. That's right. No, it's just funny though, because he's the one who, who brings up the subject. He just doesn't know how to, you know, he, right. he knows that he's supposed to ask that question, but doesn't know how he's supposed to get, how he's supposed to answer it properly. Exactly. Yes. You know, that type of thing. And then he says, I thought that you would go back to New York, like Sam and Angie and the rest of them. Now, it's very weird that because like we assume that she's maybe she's off in college, so she's home, right? So where's she studying? Because mm-hmm. like he says, you know, like I don't know, I'm just throwing this around. Let's say she's studying in Ithaca, right? So like why would she go to New York? <laughs> go home. You know. If you were to say, I thought you would stay in New York, you know, that would make a little more sense. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and part of it, part of it comes down to, you know, the attitude he expresses in a moment here of, you know, 
he'd rather be any place other than Bedford Falls, you know? Right. True. But we also don't know what time of year this is or anything like that. You know, we, we, I mean, we know that Harry came home at this point, but so it must be some sort of vacation from, from maybe, maybe, I mean, it doesn't necessarily look like it's, it's, uh, you know, the holiday season yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the end. Uh, maybe it is the end of the year of college. I don't know. The end of the school year. Uh, yeah. The maybe it's of just summer the summer. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's mm-hmm. the idea that, okay, maybe you can go work in the summer or something like that. I don't know. And mm-hmm. also he mentioned Sam and Angie. Now we know who Sam is. We have no idea who Angie is. That That's not a name that's ever come up before. Okay. And then she said, oh, I worked there a couple of vacations, but I don't know. I guess I was homesick. You know, so it's interesting that she mentioned the fact that she might have been homesick. You know, do you think she's homesick or she's George sick? <laughs> Probably a little bit of both, but I mean, this is another moment where it's like I get what you're what what you're driving at here. The idea of being homesick. I mean, I've certainly been there. Um, you know, I mean, we've mentioned it before. You know, I, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs. I live in Denver now. I've lived in Denver for almost thirty years, and um, you know, certainly the first. I would say the first 10 years or so, there were like moments where it's like, you want to go back, you want to go back home and, and see the people that you knew there, not just family, but people that you grew up with. You want to see, you know, the, the, the places that you used to go, you want to see how things change and all that stuff. So, you know, the idea of being homesick and longing for those things that you connected with when you were younger, I, I totally identify with that. I just, that just went, I just kind of went through that a few weeks ago because I went back and, and visited my, my family, uh, over the weekend, um, about a month or so ago. And, uh, you know, even though I now consider Colorado to be my home and this is, you know, where I feel like I'm supposed to be and where I want to be, I have really no desire to move back to the Midwest or anything like that, but going back there, you know, it's, it does satisfy that little bit of homesickness and getting to just experience those things that were familiar to you when, when you were younger, you know, not an old man over 50, right. Rob, you know, like, like yeah, you 50, are, 50 you know. in one day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. No, it's, I, but is a question of, of homesickness or nostalgia? Cause like when you went to go visit your family a month ago, yeah. it wasn't that you were, you know, homesickness makes you say, okay, I want to go back there and be there and stay there you know that type of thing you know because most of mm. most of the time growing up the, the most you'd hear of people being homesick is you know kids in camp you know you, yeah, you, yeah. you wouldn't fe- you wouldn't hear it as much about people who went away to college or whatever it is you know well and i think you bring up the term nostalgia is is good there too because i think one of the things we do see in this whole scene is that uh, nostalgia is something for Mary because I mean, the whole thing with the little piece of artwork, the crochet or whatever it was we were talking about the other day, um, you know, that's all rooted in nostalgia. That's the image of George that she remembers from that night. He's wearing the clothes that he was wearing that night. You know, it's all in reference to something that he, 
he said just kind of off the cuff there while you know while that whole night was going on there so i mean she's just bottled that up and it's a meaningful moment that's all nostalgia for her right it, it's it's somewhat ironic because you know that night uh you know is is ne not necessarily a pleasant memory for george because of you know the fact that he eventually finds out that his father died Mm -hmm. You know, and she's clinging to this and he, you know, at, at some point, maybe in the future, he'll be clinging to it. But at this point, he's not, you know, because he's right. not interested. He's he doesn't act interested in Mary, at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so then the question is, OK, what is, you know, when when he looks back at that night, what does he remember? Does he remember the nice time that he had with Mary or does he remember the fact that you know, it was punctuated by learning of his father's death. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I, I would say that at this point, it's still wrapped up in his father's death. I mean, because that it's arguable that that's the moment that really kicks off, you know, a, a series of things that that move George's life in a certain direction. Yeah. Well, again, that's where this whole movie, this movie has a, a bunch of goalposts. You know, that each time mm -hmm. that George hits yeah. these goalposts and thinks he's going one direction, he immediately gets turned in the other direction, similar to what happened in the beginning of this week. You know, we're going right, right. away, uh, that type of thing. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was somehow connected to the whole theme here. You know, that, that uh, you know, the, with, without getting too philosophical or, or theological about everything, you know, George's life is going in a certain direction, but it's not the direction that he thinks it's going to go in. You know, every time that mm -hmm. he thinks it's going in one direction, it's somehow by some uh, some other force gets changed into in the other direction. You know, even though right. ultimately uh, George realizes this and, and we realize it as we're watching it, you know, that this is where George is meant to be. This is where he's the most effective. Yeah. You know, even though he himself doesn't want that i mean even in the next line he says here in the in in this minute he goes homesick for bedford falls you know like why would you be homesick for bedford falls get out of here you're out stay out mm -hmm. don't don't even yeah. think about coming back you know that type of thing um well yeah i mean that and again that's going back to you know he's kind of he's speaking from his own the idea that, you know, he has been trapped by various other circumstances to stay there when he had other goals, Correct. you know, so he's like, you've got the opportunity. Why don't you take it? Right. That's right. And then she continues and says, well, yes. And also my family and, and oh, everything. Would you like to sit down? You know, she, she obviously one of the things that she misses about Bedford Falls is George Bailey. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and and she she catches herself right before she says it directly to him. You know, she was about to say it to him, and then uh, then she changes subject and and says, uh, "So you, you want to sit down?" <laughs> mm -hmm. Which is it, it's quite humorous the way that uh, he did. so he he sighs and says, "All right, for a minute." And he goes, "I I still can't understand it though." You know, he's he's still stuck in the fact that she wants to be in Bedford Falls. Yeah. And he goes, hey, you know, I, I didn't tell anybody I was coming here. Still harping on the fact that that uh, he didn't tell his mother that he was coming here. Yeah. And then she says, well, w would you rather leave? 
No, I, I don't want to be rude. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> then sit down. <laughs> you know, obviously, neither one of them wants him to leave. He, he himself, he's confused, but, he's, but he knows that he wants to be there. Right. Yeah, I think that that's what it comes down. And and it's great that that uh, you know you can see the excitement from her that she that he's there, and she's willing to to give him whatever he wants there. You know, mm-hmm. you want to sit down, you want to you want to you know she she hasn't said it yet, but she hasn't she hasn't offered him something to drink, something to eat. You know, you know she has the ambiance of of the movie Buffalo Girls. She has the picture of George lassoing the moon. You know, and the whole idea is that uh, you know this is a guy that I want. You know, and he just doesn't understand it. <laughs> I I don't know why. Or or he's he does, but he's kind of like, well, I mean, going back to what we were saying about how, you know, there are various other events that have caused changes in his plans, and it's almost like you know maybe he does know what's happening here. He does know that he's interested in her that he wants to be with her but he also knows that if he takes that step if he does that that's just going to mean uh, another thing that's going to keep him from doing all these other things that he's dreamed about since he was a kid right okay there is something to that also makes sense he's confused but he decides that uh you know he's still going to sit down and and that's how this minute ends you know, but, uh, you know, I, I like the fact that you, we see him staring at the, you know, this crocheted thing. And she really does uh, brighten up like like a uh, uh, like a firefly, as his mother said. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's it's funny because it's like. You, I suppose you could interpret that whole uh, that whole gesture, that whole crochet thing as being. A little creepy, a little stalkery, but <laughs> in the context of this, it's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, again, he's uh, George is clueless, so uh, <laughs> yeah. he he clueless George. He needs to be. Uh, she needs to point things out. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> so yeah. And that's all I have for this minute. Do you have anything else uh, you want to talk about for this minute? I don't think so. I think we're good. All right. Great. So every Friday we have a segment called Oscar Oops. All right. And the the idea behind this segment is that as, you know, as all of us movie movie lovers know, you know, we have the Oscars every year. And sometimes we agree with the uh, decisions, with the results, and sometimes we don't. So, you know, over the last uh, 94 years of the Oscars, uh, there have been many controversies, you know, movies that should have been uh, that should have won that didn't win. Uh, We're not even going to talk about the controversies about, uh, you know, snubs and things like that, because that would we would be talking for way too long when it comes to something like that. So what I decided to do is focus on this this uh, segment is. Uh, having my guests tell me their their top five movies that were nominated for Best Picture that they think should have won instead of the movie that that actually did win. So, Todd, what have you got for us? Start with your number five and work your way up. 
Oh, oh, I see. I didn't rank mine. I was not sure if I could rank them, but I'll try to rank them quick in my mind here. Um, and this is part part of what's challenging about this is because I picked ones where I was like, okay, if what would I have voted for um, if I was given that honor of voting? Not that I necessarily think these had a chance of winning because some of the ones I've picked here are not the type of movie. You know, they're the ones that you see nominated, but you go, yeah, that won't win. Um, so uh, let's see. Let's rank these. Uh, five uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm actually surprised by you that that's so far down on the list. I just think, well, I think part of that is because you know I've known well. It never had a snowball's chance of winning, but I I just think it's such a superbly crafted film. Um, can I get away with a cheat slightly on number four because there's. This is one I think you'll hear a lot uh, as you go here. There's two choices the same year, <laughs> but Pulp Fiction and the Shawshank Redemption. They're both uh, number four? And Wait, I'm, you want them to both be number four or you want one to be four and one to be three? I wanted them to both be number four because it's the same year. No, uh, that you can't but, do. you uh, got to pick one of them. Then I'd probably vote Shawshank. Um, but, uh, and part of what pains me on this is I'm not a Forrest Gump hater. I adore Forrest Gump, uh, but if it was me voting, I'd probably vote one of these other ones first. Um, let's see. Uh, three, Fargo. I love the Coen brothers. And, uh, Fargo is just a great one for me. Um, two, Mary Poppins. Ooh. Um uh, I mean, I'm a big Disney guy, but I, you know, and I think that Mary Poppins beyond being one of the all time classics and a favorite Disney film is such a great cinematic achievement. Um, and then number one, a pretty recent one, but I think, I mean, if I was really pinned down, I'd have to say this is one of the best films of the last 20 years or so. Mad Max Fury Road. Really interesting. I think I, I just that film is uh, I, I every time I watch it, I just am blown away that this thing even exists. I can't put it together in my mind that they created this thing. So it's, it's wonderful. Wow. OK, that is a great list. Thank you very much for that, Todd. Um, all right. So you have anything else uh, you want to say about this movie in general? Oh, well, just in general, I mean, it's, it's just a classic. Uh, it's, it's, uh, a movie that, um, it's just one that just transcends all the ages. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those that, I mean, God forbid there's anybody listening to this show that is like, well, you know, if it's more than 20 years old, I won't watch it. Or if it's, in black and white, I won't watch it, you know, stuff like that. You know, you shouldn't limit yourself like that about any movies, but you know, this is, this is a movie that, I mean, like I was saying at the beginning of the week, for me, this is a movie where it was one of the first ones that I really remember watching. That was an older film, you know, beyond having watched like old Disney films and the wizard of Oz, one of the first classic era films that I ever remember watching in its entirety. And, you know, I would say it, 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 it is one that certainly opened me up to the kind of the bigger picture of what the movies were, you know, and it wasn't just whatever was new at the Cineplex, you know. So, 
um, this is a movie that uh, that everybody needs to see. So I assume if you're listening to this that you've seen it, <laughs> see it again. It's great. <laughs> there. I, 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 for some reason, agree with you that this is a great movie. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. What a surprise. What a surprise. Right. <laughs> All right. Great. So for one final time this season, Todd, would you like to tell people how they can get in touch with Todd Liebenau? No, I won't tell okay. that. I mean, why plug yourself? All right, well, no, I'm going to plug. I'll plug, of <laughs> course. you got to plug. So, yeah, the blog is Forgotten Films. That's at ForgottenFilmCast.wordpress.com. Uh, of course, the podcast is called The Forgotten Filmcast. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, I'm always joined by another film blogger, film podcaster. We go in-depth on a forgotten film uh, Rob has been a guest on the show many, many times and will definitely be on the show again. So, uh, you know, certainly tune in and follow me on Twitter at Forgotten Films. That's Films with a Z. All right. Excellent. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So, Todd, thank you very much for joining me. Um, it. Thank you. Always a it's pleasure. Been, it's been great talking about uh, this this movie review with with you. As you and I both know, and anyone listening, you know this this week was a a week where there there was some important stuff that that went on, uh, but but it was done in a very simple fashion, and you know we still had what to talk about, and that that's what's important. <laughs> yep. All right. Great. So I will be back on on uh, Monday with a new guest. So have a great weekend, everybody. And until then, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly dear. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears. 